Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ladies, non-binary listeners, gentlemen, heroes and heroines, crooks and crookians, Fort Minor. The audio performance you are about to enjoy discusses casinos and gambling. We do not recommend gambling with money you cannot afford to lose or that is needed to pay bills. If you have a gambling problem, contact your problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that information for you and provide it to you. Our host's past performances are not indicative of anyone's future performances, including his own. All materials presented here are based on actual facts. Names and dates are changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Some events unrelated outcomes may be omitted to prevent listener boredom. It is, it's me, it's TRG. I don't need to see my name up in lights. I just want to be heard when I turn on the mic. This is 10% luck, 50% skill, 20% concentrated power of will, 5% pleasure, 15% pain, and 100% reason to remember the name The Ramblin' Gambler. Welcome to episode 127 of our Casino Combat Podcast. I took some liberties with the lyrics there. And apologies to Fort Minor. But those rewrites make a lot of sense to me. They really speak to me. There is a little bit luck involved in what I do. And we've talked before about the nature of luck and the kinds of luck. And some of that luck is created, not random. And it is 50% skill. And trust me when I tell you, it is 20% concentrated power of will. And that goes to mindset. And we are going to talk about mindset today. It is 5% pleasure and we should enjoy that when it happens. And it is 15% pain. It is not always easy. It takes a little bit of professionalism to put up with the pain of stupidity. And we are going to talk about that today in episode 127 of our Casino Combat Podcast. If this is your next time joining me, Thank you. If this is your first time, welcome to the Casino Combat Galaxy, a little corner of the internet where we dare to claim that you can beat the game of casino gambling. Our ongoing mission is to explore all the ways that this fascinating game can be beaten. And notice there that I did not say beat craps. I did not say beat slots. I did not say beat blackjack or baccarat. I said, beat the game of casino gambling. In addition to this podcast, we also have a website, casinocombat.com. Don't forget, spell combat with a K. Very important. It is much cheaper to do everything if we do it that way, and therefore we do. And on that website, we have materials available for download that will help you if you are also on a quest to win the game of casino gambling. We have a YouTube channel where there is a playlist called Boot Camp. Again, camp spelled with a K. That covers that playlist covers the core concepts of casino combat in a series of short 
lessons. Takes less than 90 minutes to listen to the whole thing. There is also a playlist called, very cleverly here and no K's involved, but very cleverly called TRG Wagering Strategies. And in that playlist, I have videos where I demonstrate my wagering system using real chips and real hands of blackjack. That said, while blackjack is the easiest game to beat because of the house's very, very small advantage, everything we talk about here is applicable to Baccarat. It is applicable to craps. We also have an ebook available in the Fred section of the website called Slot Tactics that explains how we play slot machines to achieve a cash profit most months. So, if you are new, That is what you have wandered into. And as I said, welcome. We hope you will stick around and be part of our squad. As far as squad news goes, you may have noticed that there are some additional commercials in our episodes recently. Our distribution team offered us a new monetization model with commercials placed automatically by the service instead of T-Rex picking a spot for a commercial when he publishes an episode. We decided to try it. We decided to try this new model, and we were just surprised that the distribution model inserted multiple commercials based on runtime. And we were placing one or at most two commercials just kind of in the middle of everything. We did some surveys of the squad online, and the general response was, go for it. Do what's best for the podcast. So we re-monetized the entire portfolio. I hope the additional commercials are not a negative for anyone. I really, really do. But this is a big change on our end. In the first year of the podcast and into the second year, I funded the podcast out of pocket. By the end of year two, the podcast for the most part funded itself. Between a number of you who are willing to go to anchor.fm slash casino combat and make a donation by clicking on the support button and the commercials in each episode... I was able to cover the the cost of the website, the cost of the domain names, the the email hosting, and pay the taxes on the small amount of income. Haven't been taking money out of this particularly. With this new model, fingers crossed, it appears that I may be able to pay a personal bill each month and do some revenue sharing with Billy with the great last name and T-Rex. As I said, fingers crossed, this I think can be a win-win. A better monetization plan is motivation to prioritize creating, editing, and distributing more content more often. We're going to try to get caught up with the calendar, and then we're going to try to start producing more episodes more often. More content for all of you, more stories, more teaches, more looking at things in detail, and a little more revenue coming our way to turn this from a donation to the community into something that actually puts financial value back into everybody's lives on the team. So that's what's happened there. Let's jump into the battle plan for this episode. First up, I have a very interesting slot question. It's a clever idea, not one I'm not sure I would have thought of, but it's a very clever idea, and I wanted to share the question and my response with you today. After that, I'm going to do a Moments of Casino Wisdom segment and revisit having a winning mindset again. One of the things I'm trying to focus on, because I get questions about mindset, I get people jokingly saying, I guess I just didn't have a winning mindset. So I want to try to show you specific things I do to have a winning mindset. And I have one today that I think some of you may find helpful, a change in your thinking. And that segment will include a quick story about an interaction I had with a set of players recently that that will show you perhaps 
how to see how others see it, perhaps how you see it, and then to change that. And changes to your mindset can, and I believe do, change your outcomes. From there, we're going to do a results segment that will include a couple of important travel notes, as well as, wait for it, It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Yes, we are going to do the time warp and move the Casino Combat timeline forward with the results of the month of December. Finally, we will finish up in the Virtual VIP Lounge with some sips and a story about TRG and Little Red Running Suit. A story that will illustrate everything we don't want to be as players in a casino. There you go. Fairly simple, fairly straightforward. Let's get started with questions my sons ask. What? 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 My sons ask questions about gambling. Listeners ask questions about gambling. Today's question comes from a squad mate, Gumbo Gambler, who writes, <laughs> that's interesting, actually. That's our second double G podcast call sign. That's interesting. It'd be interesting to get Gumbo Gambler and Gator Gambler together in the same place. It really uh, just hit me. Sorry, I'm sideways on that. Anyway, G squared squared. Maybe that's how that goes. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm my, uh, my math's a little rusty. Anyway, hey, TRG, I really pre- appreciate the time you and your team put into creating the podcast. I've learned so much that has made me a better gambler. I've noticed a feature recently on certain slot machines that I have a question about. Some machines will allow the player to select a denomination that they want to play, which has me thinking. If I'm playing TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos and I lose, could I do a Meta Martingale and put in more money and go up to the next denomination and repeat the process? A lot of machines would allow me to do a one-cent denomination, a two-cent denomination, and a five-cent denomination. I think that might work. What do you think? Thank you again, Gumbo Gambler. All right, well, way to go, G-squared-squared. Squared. Very interesting idea. Very interesting observation. Just to quickly expand on this a bit, for those of you who might not have downloaded and read the Slot Tactics ebook yet, this free Slot Tactics ebook yet, which you can do at casinocombat.com in the Fred section, the idea here is to put $100 into a slot machine and play using TRG Slot Strategy El Numero Dos. And you make, and if you make four of each wager, from the smallest wager to the largest wager, without ever winning more than the amount of the spin, more than the cost of the spin, and you don't reach a 10% profit at any point, that is a negative exit. You record that, you document it, you cash out, you move on. You see where you end up at the end of the month. Gumbo is Gumbo Gambler is suggesting instead of walking away and recording, you now put in two hundred dollars and change the denomination that you're playing on each spin. Every spin is now going to double. You're going to go from a one cent denomination to a two cent denomination, and repeat the process with a positive exit of all money back plus ten dollars. Although I, I guess you could go. All money back plus $30 as your target since you're 300 in. That would be an interesting experiment. And then if needed, 
do the same thing again with an additional $500 and a $0.05 denomination. That would be applying the Meta Martingale to slot play on machines where the slot machine allows you to determine the denomination. So on a machine like this, it might say you're spinning 30x. 30 credits is probably how it would be shown on the machine. Well, if you pick a one cent denomination, you're spinning 30 cents. If you pick a two cent denomination, you're spinning 60 cents, etc., etc., etc. And that would be true all the way across the board. It's an interesting question. It's a really interesting idea. It's a really, really smart, clever observation. It is an interesting take on using the casino combat arsenal as it applies to slot machines. And I do like the thinking here. I like the application of a table games wagering system to slot machines. And the reality is, I don't know if it'll work or not. You may recall, I'm sorry, I'm going off on tangent here, but that's kind of on brand. You may recall that I never intended to talk about playing slots. I never intended to be a slot player. I spent two plus decades almost never touching a slot machine unless somebody gave me free play and then pumping it through the first machine I found, taking the money and walking away. But prior to starting the podcast, prior to the pandemic lockdown, I had been messing around for about a year with what we now know as TRG Slot Strategy El Numero Dos. And I felt like it had been having some success and, and, and doing okay. And I really didn't pay much attention to the money part of it. It, w- it was just an idea. And as I got into doing the podcast, if you listen to those first uh, handful plus of episodes, uh, I never talked about playing slots. I just pretended it didn't exist for the purposes of the podcast. And as I documented and documented and documented things more carefully to be more transparent with all of you, I, I reached the conclusion that I had to share it with you because otherwise I was not being transparent. There were pluses and minuses that I was just ignoring for the sake of simplicity, and that I had to, to, to put it out there to you. I had to talk about it a little bit. I had to document it because it was doing well for us. So I haven't tested this. I have no idea if it will work or not work. When I use the Meta Martingale strategy at a table game, the goal is always just to win the original small goal, just to win what I started with to trying to win at the first tier which as I move up in tiers becomes easily more easily accomplished because it's easier to win one than it is to win infinity. And I think you need to here apply the same thinking. Even when playing at the five cent denomination, you would need to be okay with winning your original money back plus 10% of the first 100. Anyone who has played TRG Slot Strategy El Numero Dos knows that sometimes the win is much more than 10%, but often it's just barely 10%. Risking 800 to just win 10 is probably more of my bankroll at risk in slots than I'm comfortable with, and more slot play than I want to do. If I was going to actually try this and explore this, my slot play generally just comes out of the, the, the blackjack bankroll, and it's, it's, it's just a little part of the process, and every once in a while, we don't hit 10% of what we put in the machine, we hit 3, 4, 5, 700% of what we put in the machine, and then that's money that just feeds back into the bankroll and gets recorded. I would have to create, to do this, I guess I would have to create another at least $2,400 bankroll and really try it and really play it. Uh, I'll think about it. 
I'm not so sure about that for me, but I love the idea. I can see how it works. I love the thinking. I love the paying attention to the little details. And boy, if you hit something a bit decent at that five cent denomination, the payout could be really big. And that could also be where the trap is. Keep in mind one other aspect of this. When playing those larger denominations, it's going to be much more likely that you hit a win greater than $1,200. And unlike on a blackjack table, that is a hand pay. And taxes are going to be withheld. Which means that the taxes may eliminate the actual profit and leave you with a positive exit that walks you away from the machine with less money than you put in. It is an on-paper positive exit, but if it's greater than $1,200, you're going to have less money and you're going to have built a tax obligation. So if you are going to try this, keep that in mind. Keep in mind that that is a piece of this puzzle that most of the time I don't have to worry about. We'll see an exception to that later, but most of the time I don't have to worry about that. As I said, it's an interesting idea. I'd love to hear about the results over multiple tries. If you decide to give it a try, Gumbo Gambler, Keep me updated if it's something you decide to experiment with. We would all love to hear your results. All right, the next segment is A Moment of Casino Wisdom. Casino Wisdoms combine a knowledge of casinos and gamblers in casinos with an action to be taken in specific situations. One of the most important casino wisdoms in my never so humble opinion is casino wisdom number 42. Have a winning mindset or don't gamble. But what is a winning mindset and how do we get it and how do we keep it? I've been trying to actively look for techniques and ideas and points of view to share with you to help you do exactly that. And the thing I wanted to focus on today is the interaction between players and the dealer when playing blackjack. Because the dealer plays a hand, and that hand can win, players naturally fall into, in many cases, an adversarial relationship with the dealer. They fall into a mindset of playing against the dealer. In fact, let me, let me do a quick story here and show you exactly what that point of view can look like. I'm, I'm I'm playing cards and I'm playing with a couple other guys and and we're we're doing okay, not good, not great, but we're doing we're we're winning more than we're losing. And a new dealer taps in our dealer so that our dealer can go take a break. And this is a dealer I've known for over 15 years. I knew this dealer when we were both players at Casino One. Knew her and knew her sisters. And eventually, her and her sisters became dealers. And eventually, when my local casino opened, they got a job in my city at my local casino. So I have known this person for a very, very long time. Great dealer, very professional, very good at her job. And so the two gentlemen to my right lose the very first hand with this dealer, the next hand, and immediately start giving her a hard time, saying, see, you come back from break, and I start losing. They're blaming her. They're blaming the dealer. The dealer beat them. They lose the next hand, and again, they're blaming her. The following hand, the first player, stands on a hard 15 against a dealer's nine-card showing. The dealer checks with him to confirm he, in fact, wants to not take a card. 
He indicates that's correct. That's an incorrect basic strategy play. That's why she checked with him. That is not the play you would make to minimize the house's advantage over you when playing this hand. The next player doubles his eight against the nine showing. Again, not correct basic strategy. And again, the dealer double checks to confirm that she's understood correctly and that the player understands this is a risky choice. The player gets a three for a total of 11 and play continues. I have a pair of tens. I stand. The dealer has a two under the nine and draws a 10 for 21. A 10 that would have given player two 21 had he played basic strategy correctly. Immediately, both players begin loudly blaming the dealer. We can't win against you. Notice the word against there. I'm going to come back to that. Or the one that really, this is the one that ended it for me. You suck as a dealer. Where is the pit boss? We want a dealer change. And several other comments of that type. And as I said, it was the you suck as a dealer that was my, my limit. I looked right at both of them and I said, enough. And I pointed at the first guy. And I said, you made a poor play, and she tried to protect you, and you refused to listen. You should have had an 18, but you didn't want to listen to good advice. And I pointed to the next guy, and I said, and you. If you hadn't played wrong, you would have had a 10 and had 18 as well, or 21 if he insisted on being stupid. A double there makes no sense. She knew it. And again, she tried to help you. She is a great dealer and went above and beyond to help you. I'm not going to sit here and tolerate you berating her for your ignorance. And with that, I pushed my chips in to color up. And she quietly said, under her breath, thank you, TRG. Thank you. The pit boss looked at my chips and said, is everything okay? That doesn't look like your normal ending point. And I said, yeah, it's fine. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go find another table. I find the company here unpleasant. Now, I probably said more there than I should. I try my best to always be polite and professional. And I try to let a lot of things go and say, not my monkeys, not my zoo, and, and, and just keep myself separate from it. I try to really feel no emotions other than gratitude and positive emotions when I win. But some people... Just push my buttons a little too hard. And sometimes, I don't like when it happens, once in a while that's an employee, once in a while that's a guest, and these guys push my buttons a little too hard, and maybe that's because, as I said, I've known this dealer for well over 15 years, and she's a very sweet lady. These players had, and this is what I'm trying to illustrate, they had a we-are-playing-against-the-dealer view of the relationship. And as I said, that is easy to have. The dynamic of the game creates that initial thought. It's easy to lose hands and feel or say something like, no matter what I do, you always have 20. Or you always draw the card that beats me. So here is the thought change that has worked for me. It has helped me remain, for the most part, professional, calm, my public-facing face, consistent, and all of those things. It really decoupled me from the idea that I'm playing against the dealer. The dealer's function is to pass out the cards in order and pay or collect the wagers. As players, we are not playing against the dealer. We are playing against the house or against the shoe. Try thinking about it that way. Try thinking about you're not playing against anything but the shoe. 
the inanimate object, the shuffler, the house. The shuffler and the shoe and the dealer are simply implementing the house's policies for the game. I shape my thoughts and my words around that idea. So I might think and say something like, boy, that shoe just keeps kicking out 20s. It's very different from thinking, boy, you just keep getting 20 every time. It's the shoe. The shoe just keeps delivering 20s for the house. Or I might say, boy, the house keeps building great hands. Notice that? I try not to use the word you related to the dealer unless it's to say things like, this is for you when I'm tipping or thank you for the blackjack. And I find that for me, changing my mindset in terms of who or what I'm playing against helps keep me calm. It helps keeps me keep me focused. It, it, it makes it non-adversarial or confrontational. It does make it a little more, um, uh, what's the word, competitive. There we go. I may be in competition with the house and the shoe, but it's not confrontational between me and the dealer. The dealer wants me to win. I know that. Losing players don't tip. All dealers want all players to win. The money in the rack isn't theirs. They will do better in most cases financially if the players win. There is no reason to blame the dealer unless they don't pass out the cards right. I mean, if you really think the dealer didn't pass out the cards correctly then you can blame the dealer and you can ask for it to be fixed. That's just a casino problem. And we can look for and find a casino solution. We don't need to be adversarial. And for me, that fix was to realize I'm not playing against the dealer. I'm playing against the shoe and the house. You may find that doing the same helps you in that situation as well. All right, what is next? What is next? Oh, yeah, let's do a results segment. We'll talk through some travel and the results for the month of December 2023. All right, so December was a really interesting month because getting back from the cruise, Mrs. TRG kind of said, we're getting ready for the holidays. We've got... Two daughter-in-laws that are getting ready to deliver babies. And we've been running, 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 running. Boy, we've had an amazing year in that regard, haven't we? Couple trips to Vegas. A a nice long trip to Atlantic City. Couple chartered flights into Atlantic City on two different points in September. Two different cruises. We've had a wonderful year. But it's just time to kind of shut it down and stick close to home. And for the most part, that's what we did. However, because ABC, one of our wisdoms, ABC, always be casinoing, we did do some travel with a purpose. One of the things I did was I took the drive two and a half hours uh, west and north to a wonderful MGM property because we were just a couple thousand points away from gold. And that's the third tier in the MGM reward system. And the most important part, gold has has two major, major, in my mind, major perks. The first is that you don't pay any resort fees on your hotel stays. And so that turns comped rooms into free rooms just for reaching gold. And then the other perk is it gets you into the VIP lounge at Borgata. It gets you into Amphora 
And, and that's just a tremendous value. If you're in Atlantic City at all, that's a tremendous, tremendous benefit to have. So I didn't want to, I think it's 75,000 points. And I didn't want to be at 73,200 points and not finish it off. Particularly not finish it off when there's a, a full service MGM property, hotel, restaurants, the whole bit. Just not that far away. So I, I made the drive over there. Got a wonderful comped room. I actually got comped a one-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath executive corner room as as my standard comp. It was a tremendously beautiful room. Spent the evening playing blackjack over there. Had a wonderful time. Honestly, basically played even for the trip. For that, 24 hours. Basically came home with what I left with, plus the points to get to gold for next year. So, perfectly happy with that. And I did my normal gambling locally, and we're going to talk about those results in a minute. But I did want to share these travel pieces. I did want to share these other logistical pieces and some things going on. And the other thing that we did was the Caesars properties between Christmas and New Year's to drive traffic were, for the most part, all running some type of tier modifier, like the 26th, 27th, 28th kind of thing. So the the Caesars property... Five and a half hours south and west of our home. The property where in the first year of the podcast, we celebrated 4th of July. The property that incorrectly, unfairly accused me of threatening another player or a dealer and gave me a 24-hour ban uh, was having seven times tier credits. And I had, to my surprise, on our last pass through Atlantic City not just gotten to diamond, but gotten very close to diamond plus with Caesars. Now, in hindsight, from the point of view of early January, this is going to end up being unimportant. But at the time, our thought was, one, we've got some family down that way, run down between the holidays, see some more, do some more family time, and then take a little couple's time at a resort we really like, that we really enjoy, and get the last points to get to Diamond Plus, easy to do at seven times tier credits, because if you get to Diamond Plus, then when you're in Atlantic City, you get into the Diamond Lounge without using free, tax-free imaginary money to pay your way in. And so that seemed like a really good value. In the Caesars system, there is Diamond, and at Diamond, you get no resort fees. So I always prioritize that, or have traditionally prioritized that. We may adjust that in next year now. And at Diamond Plus, you get into the lounges without paying a, a modest reward credit price to get in. Now, I'll use the power of the ring here and fill in the gaps. Uh, Shortly after the beginning of 2024, after everybody had earned their status, Caesars Entertainment announced that they were getting rid of all the hot food in their lounges in Atlantic City and cutting back the hours. Pre-El Dorado, go back before the the pandemic, and they had very nice mini buffets in all the Caesars lounges in Atlantic City with hot food and pizza and dessert bar and seafood and soups and 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 they were very very nice. And post pandemic owned by Eldorado, they cut back on that a little bit and it went to more of a 
here's our menu for the evening. Pick one of these three salads. Pick one of these three entrees. Can we bring you a dessert? Still very nice. Tropicana's brunch on Sunday morning was very, very nice. A good value for getting those extra few points. Well, they've done away with that, and now in Atlantic City, the Laurel Lounges are just chips, pretzels, peanuts, cocktails. And I guess as a place to sit and have a cocktail and not have to be playing to get your comped cocktail, there's still some value there, but it's nothing compared to what Borgata does in the same city. It's nothing compared to what Hard Rock and Ocean do in the same city. It's really a bait and switch. It left a bad taste in my mouth and not from the chips. It's it's annoyed a lot of people. Look, this would have been a perfectly fine move on Caesar Entertainment's part if they'd announced in June that the change was going to take effect January 5th. Then he could have said, do I still care or do I not? Very honestly, Mrs. TRG and I probably would have made a different choice had we known that was gonna, that change. We'd have done something different the 26th and 27th and not cared about getting to Diamond Plus. We'd have probably gone somewhere for a little couple's time, but we probably would have done it with a different brand. It seems really dishonest. It seems really ethically challenged. In the hero crook scale, Caesars Entertainment decided to be crooks on that front, in, in my opinion. Okay, I digressed enough. I wasn't going to hold a grudge with this particular Caesars property over a mistake someone made a couple of years ago. And when we had returned from that trip, I had gotten a phone call saying that I had money waiting for me at the cage, which meant someone had made a mistake somewhere in terms of handing me chips or I had left a chip somewhere or something. It happens from time to time. So I figured, what the heck? I got part of a day's pay just waiting at the cage for me to show up. Great resort, great room service. Let's go down. Let's spend some couples time. We did. We got those last few points. And I want to share just a little bit of that with you. Because it was a point trip, I was very carefully screenshotting in the app the points that I had and keeping track of how much play got me how much points and then calculating the seven times tier credit so I didn't get home and find out that I had missed the next tier by just another hour of blackjack. Because I expected that tier to have value, which it now does not. So at the end of the first night, I'd been watching these points, and we played for three or four hours the first evening, did fairly well, and got up to the room, and I looked, and I went, oh, I didn't get any points. And Mrs. TRG, the radiant goddess of casino combat, looked at her app and saw that she had not gotten any points. It was late. We were ready to be done. And I said, well, maybe they didn't walk us off the table yet, or maybe the servers are just a little slow. There's a lot of people there. It's a holiday. Let's check it again in the morning. And so I looked again in the morning, and lo and behold, no points. I thought, okay, that doesn't make any sense. There's no way we play for three or four hours. I knew about how many points it should have been. And so I went down to the cage. Uh, No, not to the cage. I'm sorry. I went down to the rewards desk, and I explained it to them, and I asked. And they said, well, the last play you did was at 7.30 p.m. and you got these points. And I said, I know. And then we went and had dinner. We charged it to the room and she said, oh, yes, you did. And I said, okay. And then we went back to the same exact table and we played from like 8.30 to like 1.30 in the morning. I said, I recorded my final results at at about 1.40 a.m. And she goes, oh, we don't have that here. Now, this is a problem. 
We came specifically to earn seven times tier credits on that play. We were going to need that play to achieve the goal. So what do you do in this situation where there is a problem? You remain calm and look for a casino solution. And so I said, okay, is that, uh, is that just gone? Is there something we can do about that? And she said, well, go talk to the pit boss in the pit you were playing at. And the pit boss can talk to his supervisor and they can go into the tapes and they can review what you did and they can reassign the points. Okay, great. Casino solution potentially has been found. So I went back to the back to that pit and I found the pit boss and I explained the situation to him and he said, oh no, I was your pit boss yesterday. I remember you. No, no, no. I recorded you this way. And I said, well, yeah, but we went to dinner and then we came back about 830 and he goes, oh, my shift ends at eight. Let me get your information. So he takes my name, validates it with my ID, takes my rewards number. He goes, it's going to take a little while. Look for me. Keep me in mind. He goes, it's going to take a little while, but I'll get with my boss and I'll explain it to him. And I'm pretty sure, you know, you were playing pretty big. I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll have the security team review everything, figure out your average bet, figure out your time in, time out, and, and, and we'll get you the points. And I said, okay, thanks. And throughout the day, he'd see me playing, you know, because we played a little bit and we got some food, took a nap, played some more got some food, had some drinks in the bar, all those kinds of normal casino things. But every time we'd come back through the pit, he'd check in with me. And about 7.30, he said, oh, I'm glad I saw you one more time. I got with the right people finally. It's going to take a couple hours. Security's going back through all the footage because we found what table you were on. We know where you are. They're going back through it. They'll take care of getting you an appropriate amount of points. And I said, great, thanks. And sure enough, by the time we went to bed, I had more points than I should have had for that evening's play. It easily got fixed. I shouldn't say easily. It took being polite and persistent and talking to multiple people, but they did the right thing and they fixed it. Great pit boss. He made a great effort. Those are kind of the travel highlights for our results segment today. Everything else was local. So let's do a month of results. Let's pull up the handy dandy spreadsheet here. He said, clicking furiously. So let's pull up the results here and let's see what we've got. The core concepts of casino combat tell you to play for a period of time, not for a single table or a single machine or even a single day. And so I like to play by the month. And they all, the casino wisdom number 99 tells us if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your gambling. And that's why I keep meticulous written records. And that's why I share the results with you each month at the end of the month so that you can evaluate if what I did would be worth your time to do. And we do this using the $1 a day scale. I divide everything by the amount of money I need to make every day to live a life that I'm comfortable living, to share my end of the financial obligations and goals with my wonderful wife. So I know what that number is. And I divide all of everything, all the comps, all the free play, all this, everything gets divided by that number. So it's as if I earned a dollar a day. So whatever you earn a day, multiply it by this number. If I tell you 1.5 and you make $5 million a day, multiply 5 million times 1.5. And that's how much in your life you would have added in value to your life. And by the way, if you owe $5 million a day and you're a regular listener to this, po listener to this podcast, you owe me a tip. 
You really do. If you're making $5 million a day, spare some money for your 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 uh, friendly neighborhood podcaster here. Go to anchor.fm slash casino combat. Click on support. You know, help us out a little bit. And conversely, if you make $5 a day, multiply $5 times one point, whatever I said, and there you go. That's the number. So that's the way we do these results every month. So here we go. Playing table games of all types. And I primarily play blackjack and I play a little craps. Every once in a while, I'll wander into a Baccarat table or this or that, but not enough to track those specific. I mean, I record the details, but I don't break them out separately because they're few and far between or a Spanish 21 table or something of that nature. Playing table games. I earned $15.91 on the dollar a day scale. Really solid table game output there. No reason to be unhappy about that at all. I played 57 blackjack tables. Check out this ratio. 42 winning tables, 15 losing tables. Solid, solid blackjack win. In fact, I won $19.52 on the dollar a day scale playing blackjack. I've also been playing craps. Been playing craps to learn how to throw the dice without having a practice table or a practice rig. I know that I am paying to practice my dice throwing techniques, and I'm okay with that. But that's what this is. I played 18 craps tables, 8 of them winning, 10 of them losing. I lost $3.28 on the $1 a day scale to practice throwing dice on a real table. We played 52 slot machines. 27 of them winning, 25 of them losing. Hold on to your hats. Playing slots using TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos, we won $3.47. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. There is some additional disclosures that need to be made there. We received 40, uh, round up, 45 cents in free slot play, and we made 21 Sense playing our free slot play. Not a lot of free slot play this month. Once again, struggling to get the horse track to come back online, and that that is where the transparency is needed. That is where the additional information is required. I am fascinated with this machine, Devil's Lock. As as I told you, found it on the cruise and have been fascinated by it. It it remains a consistent winning machine for me so far fingers crossed and I've been stopping at the horse track and playing a little bit trying to get them to start giving me free play again it stopped I don't know why I'd like to get it back to giving me free slot play and they have a couple devil's lock machines including to my surprise a high limit version of the devil's lock and things had been going as you can hear fairly well and I was out there to to just play a couple machines. They've got a director's version of Little Shop of Horrors that I really like. And I was just going to play a couple machines. And I spot in the high limit area a Devil's Lock machine. I don't usually play high limit slots. It's going to take a lot more money than I really normally want to put into slots. I thought, man... Let's just check. Let's let, yeah, you're going to end up feeding in a lot more than a hundred bucks, but let's try it out. And it paid off at a fairly high. I was probably spending, 
I don't know, $10, $20 a spin. Ridiculous amount of money to be spinning on a slot machine. But I was probably hitting 10 or 20, spinning 10 or $20. I got bonus spins. I ended up getting my first ever hand pay. It was six days pay, something like that, that it paid out. I mean, minus all the money I'd already fed in. But uh, first ever hand pay, first ever have taxes taken out. So that's a big, big, big chunk of the money won on slots is all from that one machine. So little atypical for the month here, solid profit from slot play, but instead of it being losing some in cash and then winning it back in on the free slot play, it's the other way around. Nice win. Continue to find that machine very, very beatable with TRG slot strategy, El Numero Dos. So where does that put us? That puts us with a gambling profit or loss with a profit of $19.59 for the month. Solid, solid winning month. And because we dialed back on almost all the other stuff, expenses were only $1.55. So expenses, very, very low. Expenses, very, very low. Gives us a profit or loss after expenses of $18.04. We received $3.22 in comps. We had no match bets. We had $1.32 in free bets. We had $0.57 cents in gifts. Very, very profitable month. Not a whole lot more to be said here. Very comfortable, obviously, with all of it. This was kind of a put-your-head-down-and-work month. This also shows what can be done if you're doing a little less casino lifestyle and a little more just shut up, pay attention, and play. Total value into our lives from gambling in this very, very nice winning casino combat month of $23.30 of value into our lives from using the casino combat arsenal and and just working, just going and doing the work that needed to be done. Great month, thoroughly enjoyed it, always happy to have a good solid profit, kind of due for one of those, really happy with this. I can't wait to tell you the story of TRG and Little Red Running Suit. It's a perfect illustration of the person not to be in the casino. I think there are some things to be learned here. And we are going to do that next in a virtual VIP lounge segment. A little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the most must-listen-to segment in casino podcasting, the virtual VIP lounge. Our lounge is open and we have the best virtual everything virtually all the time best virtual food and drink served in any virtual vip lounge anywhere on the interwebs guaranteed or your money back as always if you can pour yourself something join me in our virtual vip lounge vip lounges are a great place to swap stories with friends nakatomi tony recently sent me a bottle of crown apple and i have a small pour going here today i'm telling you just one ice cube and you have an adult juice box with a kick So here is the tale of TRG and Little Red Running Suit. I'm playing blackjack with two other gentlemen who are good, solid players. Things start rough, but then turn around and really start going our way. A small young man, trying and failing to grow a beard, approaches the table wearing only a red running or jogging suit while it is minus five degrees outside. And he watches us win and win while standing behind us, and then win a huge hand where I have a blackjack and the other two players both have large bets doubled or split and doubled. And the dealer sees him hovering and says, yeah, finally, this table's finally working great with just three players. A clear hint to Little Red, who of course misses it and sits right down. 
and buys in with four table minimum bets. He's got four bets in front of him. And you know, I don't think that's enough to succeed. And he compounds things by making a two-unit bet on blackjack and a one-unit bet on a side bet. And he is, as Gabriel would say, a chirper. Talk, 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 talk the entire time. And negative talk. Negative talk the whole time. Yakka, 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 yakka. He loses both bets and blames the dealer. Sits out two hands, then makes a one-unit blackjack bet and loses. The other two players and the dealer are now clearly annoyed with this guy because the flow of the cards has been messed up. We're not winning the way we had been winning right before he sat down. And he continues with the negative talk and the complaints. And he's not playing. Just a real downer. Just exactly not the person we wanted at our table at that moment. So out comes another bill. And four more units are purchased. And it all goes on the blackjack bet at one time. While he says, gotta get my money back. Gotta get it back. Gotta get my money. He loses smacks the table hard enough to rattle everybody's chips, stands up, walks away, and then turns and says, save my spot. He goes to the ATM and returns several hands later with enough money for four more bets. And he continues to complain about losing. Again, he goes with the two units on the blackjack bet, one unit on the side bet. Wins the blackjack bet, sits out several hands, all while yakking and complaining and chirping and then piles all his chips on the blackjack bet and loses. He sit and f- sits and fumes for a bit while we play and yaks and criticizes and blames the dealer and then again says, hold my spot. He goes to the ATM again and it tur- returns again with enough for four bet. Gotta win my money back. Gotta find my spot. Gotta find my flow. Gotta win. So little red running suit watches us play, waits until we win a couple of hands, and then piles all his chips in the blackjack bet again. The dealer at this point looks at him and says, really? You're going to do that to them again? Really? And he blankly says, what? What am I doing? Deal the cards. I ain't got time for this. Got to win my money back. He, of course, loses and walks away muttering and mumbling about being cheated, about how they don't play fair, how they don't treat me right. They can't do me like this. There is more, but let's look at this part for a minute. Basic etiquette at a blackjack table outside of major resort areas, major holidays, that kind of thing. If others are playing and winning, wait for their streak to end before coming in. Then ask if it's okay to join them. If they ask you to wait another hand or two, wait politely. Next thing, don't jump in and out of the game once you're in. Certainly don't wait until others win several hands and then jump back in. No, 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 no. Look, in the big picture, it really doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all big picture. But it's going to annoy people if you keep breaking up their winning streaks to try to benefit yourself. It's antagonistic. Next point. If you decide to go to the ATM for more money, which many smart people would advise you not to do in the casino. But if you're going to go do that, take what you're going to take in one trip. Withdraw what you're going to withdraw in one trip. Little Red paid multiple ATM fees by making multiple small withdrawals. He increased his total loss for the day with multiple fees. Finally, his desperation and ignorance caused him to make wagers almost certain to fail. His total buy-in at the table was 16 units. Had he bought that all at once, skipped the side bet, and made smaller bets, he had plenty of money to be patient and wait for things to go his way. Buy in for four chips and immediately bet all the chips on one hand is not generally a recipe for success, as Little Red found out. But as I said, 
There's more. Later in my visit, I'm at the craps table with Gabriel. The shooter has a solid roll going. Bets are being pressed up. People are winning. Everybody's happy. Little Red comes up after the dice have been passed to the shooter, digs through wrinkled, rumpled bills to find enough money for one bet, and drops it on the table and wants chips. Again, no knowledge of etiquette. It's generally considered rude to buy in at the table mid-roll. And it's always bad form to buy in after the dice have passed to the shooter. To compound things, after the dealer rolled his eyes and handed over the chips, Little Red Running Suit didn't know what bets were available. He tried to make a field bet for less than the table minimum. Then when informed, he said he wanted to bet on the six then. Then he was informed that to bet on the six would require $3 more. He asked what he could bet on. And notice, this is holding up all of the whole table's play of the game, with the shooter having the dice in front of him ready to throw. Little Red Running Suit settled on a bet on the five instead after the number of bets he could make were explained to him. Once that was sorted out, he let the bet stand for one roll and then asked to have it returned to him and betted on the field bet and lost. As the dice passed to the shooter again, Little Red dug through his pockets and found a crumpled 20 and reached down and put it on the table as the dice moved through the air. The pit boss and one of the dealers yelled, Hands up! Hands up! But it was too late. The dice hit his hand, and Little Red Running Suit had caused Big Red to show up. And everyone not on the don't pass or the don't come lost. The shooter tried to say it was no roll. The pit boss said, I'm very sorry, but we have to count the roll. And Gabriel lost it. Just lost it and grabbed his chips and left and walked past Little Red and said, you are a clown, an absolute clown. And Little Red looked at me confused, like raised an eyebrow because we'd been playing together earlier. I tried to be polite. I tried to be professional. And I said, I'm sorry. He's not wrong. You have screwed up every table I've seen you at today. You have annoyed everyone around you, employees and customers alike. You don't seem to know what you are doing. You are wasting our time and your money. I'm not trying to be mean. Consider that tough love. He walked away. He was not happy with me, and that's okay. I wasn't happy with him. I would not have said those things if he had not looked at me and kind of wanted to know where Gabriel was coming from. The moral, moral of the story is this, if there, if there is a moral. If this story has a moral, this is it. Learn the etiquette of the games you're going to play. Be a bit more self-aware. Read the room or the table. Be aware of how others are reacting. If you're getting lots of frowns and angry stares, maybe you are misunderstanding something. Please, tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host. Remember your wisdoms. Don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. In 10 years, we may find out I was wrong about all of this. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for the gift of your time. The best part of the podcast is next. For Atlantic City Empress. Just
Just a call. 